Hello, 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 and welcome back to the SLP Corner podcast. This week's guest is Sarah Safton. She is a private practice SLP based out of Calgary, Alberta. So another Canadian SLP on the podcast, which I love. Sarah is going to be talking all about starting out in SLP. She's going to be talking about lateral violence. She's going to be talking about burnout. I'm really excited to have you on. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It is so nice to be here. And I am so passionate about these topics because they really came up for me when I was starting my practice, going through my clinical placements. And I know you get lots of aspiring and new baby SLPs. So I think these are really important things to talk about. I agree. And there are so many new grads listening all the time. So I'm excited to have something that's really going to be for them and hopefully make them feel better and more (laughs) empowered. Before we get started, can you introduce yourself and let everyone know a little bit more about you? Yeah, for sure. So I am a private practice clinician. I am full-time in my own private practice. I graduated back in 2019. So I am still a fairly new grad. Um, My primary focus is on early intervention for babies, toddlers, do a lot of parent coaching. And I really, really do love it. Um, My journey into the private practice world was a little bit fraught. There was a lot of, uh, oh, this setting doesn't work for me. This setting doesn't work for me. This is kind of where I really want to be. And I just ended up falling into a position where I could build, build something that really, really did fit me and suit me well. And so I want to encourage lots of the other new SLPs out there that they don't have to wait to get started on finding something that works for them. This career is super flexible and it's, it can work for you no matter where you're at, even early. I could literally talk about how much I love private practice for hours. I'm obsessed with private practice. You have your own private practice. Can you share more about your decision to start your own private practice? Um, It's called Brighton Speech Brighton or Brighton Speech Therapy. <laughs> it's not called Brighton Therapy, but like on Instagram, we are at Brighton.speech. So Brighton Speech Therapy yeah. is another operating name too. But it was very moving and COVID driven. So mm. I initially, when I got out, moved to Vancouver over where Shannon's at for a couple of years and was working in public health there when my now husband was going to grad school. And then we moved back home to Calgary when he was done And that was last summer. But with all of the COVID layoffs, there was lots of just like, like SLP positions at schools were gone, some contracts weren't there. The SLP job market in Calgary was not amazing. And a lot of SLPs, especially in Alberta, had very negative things to say about working for agencies and in the public health system. So a friend and I actually decided that we were going to both start private practices together and did the whole process together because the timing just worked out really well for both of us because she had just gone through some layoffs as well. And then we both had also had experience working part-time in a private practice evenings, weekends. And I had an amazing mentor through our national organization's mentorship program who helped me out a ton through the whole process, because everybody should have help. It is quite the ordeal. Yeah, we just kind of we felt like, oh, the timing is right. We have the support that we need to just get this up and going. And it's where we wanted to be long term. So we did it, but faced some burnout while we were doing it and made sure that we had to take some time off and time away and really overshot and then had to recalibrate a couple of times along the way. The mentorship program you referenced, if anyone 
who is in a Canadian SLP program is listening, highly, highly recommend that program. It's through the SAC. I had my mentor on a podcast, which I can link in the show notes because we talk about the program. And I don't think they have something like this in the States. I'm not totally sure. It doesn't seem like, because I have had a lot of the new grads in the States. They're like, I wish we had something like that, but it's really helpful. So that's nice that you had your mentor um, help you with that because I can't even imagine like a lot of starting a private practice is the paperwork and the business side, which we have to learn. It's brand new learning for us. It is. Yeah. And it's so wild how that it very often is like a personality contradiction because most of us go into SLP being like, oh my gosh, I just, I love to help people. I love families. I love children. And then you have to flip the switch and be like, all right, so accounting and like doing my expenses and my income and making sure that all of the legal stuff is all lined up. And it's just, it is a different ball game out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But probably so worth it. Like, I, yeah, I could once again, talk about private practice for hours and how much I love it. But um, okay. You mentioned burnout yes. and I think people are pretty familiar with burnout. We talk about burnout a lot. I had yes. um, Catherine Ann VV. That's her Instagram name at Catherine Ann VV. If anyone's listening and they're familiar with her, she came on the podcast like months and months ago, maybe even a year ago. And we had a whole episode on burnout. So I'm going to link that in the show notes too. If anyone wants to listen to burnout, they're listening to this. They're like, I don't know what burnout is, but I'm pretty sure we're all familiar with burnout at this point. But lateral violence is brand new to me. You were just chatting about it with me before the show a little bit more. I'm excited to talk about this. I have not had this topic discussed at all on the podcast. And I think it's important to discuss more, especially for new grads coming into the field, brand new, even in their placements and things like that. So can you just share what is lateral violence? Okay, so lateral violence is a concept that comes mostly from nursing research because it was something that they were finding nursing students kept reporting basically what kind of fell into the umbrella of workplace bullying. And when they dug into the research, they were like, oh, this is a very consistent trend, especially in female dominated professions or in marginalized groups. So lateral violence is basically the idea that when younger people or people that are at a lower status within one level of a hierarchy. So if you're thinking in like medicine, nursing would be a hierarchy that's like below below doctors and then SLPs so we all graduate as SLPs and then most of us to stay in that level for the entirety of our careers so it's like one one region but older SLPs or SLPs that have more experience often use specific ways of um, basically putting themselves above new SLPs so a lot of the time that looks like taking these bright-eyed, bushy-tailed students that want to try and apply new ways of doing things. And they either are very cynical about it, about like, that won't work, not in this area. This is all of the reasons why basically like you're being impractical or they fully will kind of attack and basically be just like, oh, like you don't know anything. You probably shouldn't be doing these things. And so it's very much a way of taking usually, usually students and making them feel less excited and less competent within the profession, kind of like the crabs in a bucket analogy where they're like, if I feel cynical about my job or unhappy or unsatisfied, I'm going to make sure that you're aware and feeling this way too, because it's very much a threat to their identity. If somebody new comes in and 
succeeds where they were unable to succeed. It's interesting you mentioned nursing because I'm reflecting on my placements and my SLP placement in a hospital. I experienced that a lot, which is interesting because of the nursing thing. It's like, and I know my boyfriend is in medicine and I know that there may not, we talked about this too. It may not be lateral violence, but there's just, I don't want to say negativity, but I did not find the hospital community overly supportive. But then my pediatric placements were more positive. It's, but I heard nightmare stories from my friends doing some of their placements. I was also wondering, would this be applicable to when we're trying to share new research or information like neurodiversity with teachers? Because I do notice a lot of the time, but that's in different professions, but I do notice a lot of the time when we're trying to share information about specifically, I'm I'm thinking neurodiversity because I have a lot of autistic clients in my caseload and during IEP meetings or classroom observations or reports, I'm going to be advocating for their needs, trying to move away from things like sustained eye contact and all that. And I find that can be met with a lot of resistance, but I don't know if that's related or if it's more within field. Um, it's not like, I feel like it has the same underlying cause. Um, cause like, I mean, when you were in a helping profession, something like nursing, speech pathology, teaching, a lot of the time you identify so strongly with your work, right? Like you are a helping person. You help people with autism. You are a, a helpful, kind person. And so when that identity gets threatened if someone starts to come in and kind of be like, hey, like maybe you haven't been doing as good of a job at this as you can. That actually is like a it's legitimately perceived as a threat rather than as an opportunity to learn. And so you you do get that with teachers. Um, my first exposure to lateral violence was when I was actually going through my bachelor of education degree. Um, I had a teacher mentor who loved me and thought I was great and I was getting rave reviews and then she found out that I wanted to pursue speech pathology afterwards and then immediately like you could see like the threat come in where she was just kind of like oh like you have aspirations beyond what I'm doing you think that you're better than me and let me like let me basically all of a sudden hyper criticize you and kind of attack who you are as a person and so that was it was really difficult to go through um, because of course you end up with a lot of self doubt when you're in that position of being a new, a new clinician, a new grad, um, or even at that point, I was even just an aspiring SLP. And, um, so then I had to like go to the university and basically explain what was happening. And they were like, oh, this is legitimately a real thing that happens to people. Um, and then I could pick it out again when I was in another SLP placement and I was in a school, um, and because I had had those experiences of being a teacher, I wanted to do lots more whole class instruction. I wanted to jump in and be a part of the classroom. Um, and the speech pathologists at that point had only been doing the pullout model and were very threatened by the idea that I wanted to go in there and practice this new way of delivering services. And I I got really dragged through the mud for that one there, there too. Um, but the university was very supportive. And so... Basically, what I'm trying to do here is to let other SLPs know that this is something that exists and it's really common and that if you're going through it, you're not alone. And there actually are ways to deal with it going through the university if it's something that you're dealing with. 
That's really nice that the university shared that with you because sometimes I, and I don't want to like say anything negative about my SLP program, but sometimes I feel like they protect the um, clinical educators at all costs and are quick to not be on the side of the students from what I've experienced. Which program did you go to for curiosity's sake? Um, I was at U of A and I do, I will say that the university did try and protect that relationship that they had with um, the schools because they do, they, they need those clinical educators. They do. Yeah. Um, at the same time, like I did, I, I went to the university and I was like, this is what's happening to me. And they're like, yeah, this is something that happens. And like, here's, here's how we will support you through it. So it was very much like I did get some support, but I, I finished out the placement and my clinical educator didn't get like called out by this university or anything like that. I just basically got support to deal with it. Um, and I'm a very interesting learner as far as like SLP learners go. I'm, um, I have ADHD and I'm very much like, a, I want to get in there and do it and try and see where I fail. Um, and so the university was kind of just like, yeah, you know, like your learning style is completely valid, but like clinical educators just do not expect that and don't plan for it and don't want students who like just jump in and go and do things like they expect people that want to sit back and watch and learn and copy. Um, and so it was something where I was just kind of very like, oh, I feel like I'm, I as a learner, am not always completely understood in the context of like my clinical externships um but always so good. this was at um this was your teaching where did you go for your SLP masters um that was at U of A both yeah, at so U of A like your the whole thing okay I was lucky with my pediatric placements because I've heard stories like this now hearing your story because I had a lot of great CEs who were very much like you can just jump in you're not gonna learn by sitting, watching me. I'm the same way as you. I just zone out. It's like, if I'm watching someone, I'm like, it's, I'm so not engaged and I need to learn through my mistakes. And I was lucky to have that. Like I had some great CEs. They were like, jump in there. You can like make mistakes. I even had some CEs who'd say, I'm literally going to leave the room so you can find your footing without feeling like someone's watching you. And I'm like, thank you. You touched on identity. So Mm -hmm. I found that so interesting. First of all, like how, how we identify can actually be why we might take something so personally. Can you expand on that a little bit more? I thought that was so interesting. Yeah. So like I see this and like you said, this with the neurodiversity stuff too. And this is where I've been seeing it a lot in like beyond lateral violence where like the SLP identity can actually be detrimental is that when like, when you love your job and you have worked so hard and you are so proud of who you are, what you do. I mean, you like, you take a lot of pride in, in your work. And like, I, I can pretty safely say for most of us, like being an SLP is a core part of who we are and we love it. And we're really proud. Um, but then wrapping your self-worth and your pride up in your job is like such a double-edged sword because then what happens to you when it starts to be sliding you know like if all of a sudden you go through a hard time in your life and like okay like yes like your actual service delivery the level of SLP that you're giving your kids is not great because you're burnt out or maybe you're coming back from a mat leave and you're just really tired 
or because maybe you aren't up on the latest education or new research is coming out that says that what we've been doing is actually not the best for kids and we need to change. There are people that because they've wrapped up their identity and who they are as a person so tightly with being an SLP and the services they deliver that they just like, they cannot come to terms with, oh my gosh, maybe I was being imperfect. Maybe there was more for me to learn. Maybe I could be better. And so you, you defend, you know, like you were kind of like, oh, I just, I think that what I was doing is working. I think my services are great. And I think that this new way of doing things is actually not going to work the way that everybody says they want it to work like sure you might think this but I know better rather than being open to exploring new things or being kind of like you know what yes like let's let's give this a go and just explore and maybe I have been wrong all these years and how exciting this opportunity for me to change and be better is so it's it is really fascinating because if you look at like a lot of the professions where there's lateral violence, it, they're female dominated and they're helping professions. It's really too bad because I can totally see how this can happen. Like you're so passionate. You really feel like being an SLP is part of who you are. So if that's coming into question, it almost feels like someone's attacking your character and who you are as a person, which I can see someone might take personally. I know I've seen people take things quite personally when they're really not personal or like emotional. And I've seen that happen in like meetings and things like that. Not all clinical educators are like this. So I, I don't want anyone to be listening to this and feel like scared of going into their placements because like I said, there are some SLPs being clinical educators and they're incredible. I had one SLP right away tell me she was like, my job is to teach you my experiences and what I've learned through my experiences, my 20 years. She's like, you have a job too. Your job is to teach me what the new research is because I don't have time to be reading up on it. And I that's like just stuck with me because I was like, I love that approach so much. And I want to do that when I have students like your mm -hmm. job. So right away, I'm opening it up for discussion. I am not just teaching you. You're teaching me. This is a two way street. And she always said, she's like, that's why I take students every year because it's like free um, professional development because they can teach uh, me. That's such a nice perspective. And I want SL SLPs to be or graduate students listening, knowing that does exist, <laughs> not to be scared. Like there are some really good clinical educators out there. There's also going to be some tough ones. And now you have some language around this because it always helps to know it's not in your head. This does exist. This does happen. So moving towards what do we do? How do we deal with lateral violence? Like what could SLPs do in these positions and what could grad students do when they're experiencing this? Yeah. So I think like a huge just like the foundation of it is if you're an SLP and you're practicing and you're out there in the world, understanding that you need to identify with more than just like your job, because we're going to encounter lots of opportunities where our identity as being a good SLP will be questioned. And it is good to be open and take that kind of feedback in those moments. And then understanding that when students are coming in, you'll get so many different types of learners. So like I was absolutely a jump in and do it kind of person. And I had three clinical educators of my five who were unreal at that unreal. One setting was like a little bit more rigid where they were kind of like, okay, we really do want you to deliver services the way that we deliver services. Um, and then the last one was kind of just like all of your ideas are trash. And so like, you'll, you'll get a mix. Most SLPs are amazing clinical educators. 
Um, and then when you do get those ones that are difficult, or if you're encountering something where it is not necessarily a good learning environment for you, talking very openly about expectations and what you need as a learner to your clinical educators can sometimes be really, really helpful. Um, so when I was really open in like the placement that was just like a little bit more rigid about what I needed, they were great. They were kind of just like, oh, you know what? You're right. Like, this is your last placement. You probably do need some more completely independent opportunities and like the room to, cause like with that one, if there was a struggle, if somebody was having a difficult time, like I wasn't given room to problem solve, I was rescued. So I was like, I, I need to not be rescued. I need to actually be able to like figure this out and go through my process, even though it's slow. Cause I'm new. Um, and they were great with that. So just explaining like what you need and giving them the opportunity to correct. And then if, if it's just a setting where you don't feel safe or where you have brought new ideas or what you need to be a good learner and you weren't accommodated going to university and explaining and especially using clinical language, like lateral violence. So like when I went to my university facilitator, I had talked to my best friend who is a psych nurse and had lots of good mental health tips for me. And I had talked to a therapist. And so I went there and I was basically explaining, like, I am experiencing lateral violence. Here is what is happening. And at that point, the university was like, oh my gosh, this research totally applies here. You're exactly right. This is lateral violence. And like, we're going to we're going to basically start teaching this as part of our clinical education curriculum um, because it does happen frequently. But I mean, really, it was just talking to the university and doing a lot of like personal work and personal therapy and feeling validated that what I was doing was not wrong, that what I was doing was an excellent idea for what a clinical placement should look like. And that what I was going through was just a hard thing and that I would get through it and everything would be fine. I was not going to be a bad SLP because I was having these difficulties in placements. I want to remind everyone, especially a graduate student, when you are going into a placement at the same time, you should be really aware that this SLP is volunteering their time to bring you in. And it's a lot of work. They get minimal, like they don't get like, do they get anything? Like, maybe professional development hours? I have no clue. few things where they get, like, slightly incentivized. Yeah. Occasionally, but it, it is, like, super rare. A lot of the time, it, it's just, like, out of the goodness of their heart. Exactly. It's, like, straight-up volunteering. So I would go into these placements with a really open mind and be super respectful of their experience. And I would, like, if anyone's listening to this and they're going to take this zero to 100, it's, like, just know that they have a lot of experiences to bring to the table. I would be very careful with how you want to present new information because you don't want to like offend an SL, like you don't want to offend your clinical educator first day being like, I saw you do this, this, this. Nope, I'm going to do this, this, this. Like I would be so shocked if that happened. So I also want everyone to be aware of this because it exists, but we need to also be thinking about how we want to present our ideas and present our information to SLPs. And we should do that. And it should be learning in both directions, but also being so cognizant and mindful of how we do that to be as respectful as possible to these people who are volunteering their time. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so like, I actually... One of the best ways to basically prevent these issues of lateral violence is to consider the fact that 
what you are coming to the table with could be an identity threat and to try and protect that identity when you're coming to the table with things. So if you have an SLP clinical educator and you're like, oh, I think that they're getting their backup a little bit based on what I want to do, protect that identity that they have as a good, capable, competent SLP and be kind of like, hey, I see that you're doing all of these wonderful, amazing things. I think that's so cool. I would really love like your feedback on me doing this other thing. I haven't, I haven't tried it yet. I haven't seen another SLP try it yet. Like I just like, you know, like value their input on what you want to try and basically like try, try and prevent it, present things in the least threatening way you possibly can with the awareness that you can offend your clinical educators with new ideas. Like they might not be excited about them. So you have to be careful. Yes. I think that was such a perfect way to approach the topic. You don't want to make them feel like you're coming in there as this new SLP and you're basically saying you're doing everything wrong. No one wants to feel that way. So you have to be careful about how you word things just like with anything in life. You want to be careful with how you word things to people because the goal is not to like suggest that you know more than them and everything. This goal is to try to practice in a way that you're learning in school in a way that you want to bring forward in your career to get experience with that. So I think that's so perfect wording it like as if it was their idea. Like, what do you think if I tried this? I learned this in school. I'd love to hear your feedback on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to kind of just be like, oh, I would love to try it in this setting. And then like you and I can decide like, what are the good things that work in this setting? What are the things that would not work in this setting? Like, like actually kind of be like, oh, I know that this might not be like completely perfect or like a the best way of doing things here, but I just, I just want to give it a go and see how it works. Um, and I think that like, I can't remember if it was before the podcast or in the podcast where you were talking about like presenting things to teachers yeah. and how, how you can present things to teachers and sometimes they can get defensive, mm-hmm. same kind of thing, you know, like you always want to be protecting their identity as a good, capable, helpful professional when you suggest new ideas so acknowledging like where they're really good and really strong where you are learning a lot where you think things are going great before you present anything new that you think you would want to change can be can be very helpful in basically just like affirming that they do still have that identity as a good solid competent helpful professional Yes. And I think like for new SLPs now, like moving away from grad students, because I would not recommend doing this as a grad student, but for SLPs actually working in the field, or not even new SLPs, just SLPs introducing new ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that I've been doing, I'm just like, so I've been really just being brutally honest about my like um, experiences with neurodiversity in IEP meetings. So I'll literally be like, look, I also had eye contact goals a year ago. I also had whole body listening goals a year ago. I had that too. Like just to not be like, oh, um, you're doing it all wrong. Everyone knows this. You shouldn't have whole body listening and eye contact. We're moving away from that for neuro. It's like, I did that too. Now I'm learning. I'm trying to do better. I'm listening to the autism community. Um, And I'm just trying to be honest too. So that can sometimes help because you're basically saying like, look, we're all learning. Like, I also just recently learned this, but I'm trying to do better Um, instead of coming in with the kind of tone where it's like, I know this and like you should too. That's, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I completely agree. It's really, 
it's helpful to be relatable and authentic and to kind of just like make people feel like where they're at is completely acceptable and normal and that you acknowledge and respect that they're like they're there and they're trying and they are already doing a good job in a lot of domains um yeah. yeah and like also being new out in the field too for people to just be aware that like there are some SLPs that are like in their burnout stage because I mean I feel like we all we hit our burnout stage at some point and the way that some people deal with that is through some aspects of lateral violence too where they're kind of just like oh like I'm I'm going to go complain to other SLPs to feel validated and affirmed and to feel like I'm normal but then if you are a very excited enthusiastic brand new grad having a coworker who's very burnt out and needs to vent all of the time about how awful the job requirements are like that can be a very damaging thing for your mental health as well when you're new and you're so excited about things <laughs> I know. That's one reason why I've really like loved that I've only ever worked in um, private practice because I really feel like, and I, I always want to be wary of not offending people who aren't in private practice. I a hundred percent think everyone should do what works best for them. And we all have different interests. I just want to say that again for everyone, because I don't want to seem like oh, private practice is the only way to go. I a hundred percent see pros and cons to all of the options. But for me, I found that really nice because I find SLPs in private practice are a little bit less burnt out than when I see some SLPs in like public health or the school system. And I think it might be because we have a bit more control over our caseload, which kids we choose. We have a little bit more control over our hours and we have versus like being in um like an area of SLP where there's older SLPs around you who are burnt out for various reasons. They're exhausted, they're drained and you come in as a new grad and it's just like, Talk about depressing. Like I saw that in my placements, um, not in my private practice ones, but the public health unit and the school. I saw that a lot, like just SLPs just drained. And I was like, this is depressing. Oh my God, it scared me. Yeah. And it is like, it is really, really hard. And I think it does happen a lot when you just feel powerless within the system. And when you are suffering, like you don't have the room to change, you know? So like if you work as a basically like an employee SLP, I think is what where a lot of people get stuck is if you work as an employee and you start to feel burnout, you have very structured ways of dealing with that and you always know that no matter what you do to deal with your own mental health personally, like that job is that job and it is it is what it is, so you have to go back to it. So you can end up feeling a little hopeless um, because the system just like it doesn't flex for you when you need it to as well as it does in some other settings so for me private practice did work really well just based on like my my moving situation and then I I absolutely feel my energy get drained when I'm around people that are burnt out and so then to protect my energy I was like oh I just like I have to be able to for any of like the contractors that work with me or when I start to feel burnt out, I need to be able to make adjustments immediately to repair that rather than going through like this, that hopeless feeling of like, what can I do? Cause I don't think that this is the system's not going to change for me. Yeah, I totally agree. To wrap this all up, can you share your number one tip or like a piece of maybe 
wisdom from your experiences for new grads entering their placements, because I always want to leave them on a really positive note, not feeling overly anxious about entering (laughs) their placements because I was so anxious (laughs) entering mine. And um, yeah, let's just uh, maybe hear one more thing and then, and then we'll, we'll end off the podcast today. Yeah. So I think that in addition to wrapping up your identity as being like a smart, successful, hardworking, helpful SLP, make sure that you wrap your identity and feeling like a good person in terms of who you are outside of work too, and being open and flexible and willing to learn and accommodate because really that is something that will serve you so well in placements, in this job. If you are wrapping up your identity in things that are growth mindset oriented, then you will absolutely do well and you will find something that works for you because if you're open and flexible and are willing to find the things like this career will serve you so well there's so many options and it is really great it is really great and there are so many options you can change it up you can move to different areas of slp it's i i love it obviously i love it <laughs> i have a podcast to talk about it every week so everyone just i hope you enter the field feeling empowered. We have more information. We have a way to discuss this. If this comes up with the university, advocate for yourselves. And Sarah, thank you so much for coming on today. Where can everyone find you and follow you? Um, Everyone can find me at Brighton, B-R-I-G-H-T-E-N dot speech on Instagram. That is probably the best place to find me. And I loved chatting. I had such a good time. Thank you for having me. Aw, well, I'm so glad you came on. And honestly, guys, like your Instagram is so perfect and so aesthetically pleasing. Like I'm obsessed. <laughs> so that it, I'm literally looking at right now. It's so cute. Everyone go follow Sarah and I'll see everyone next Monday.